But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command that I should say, or what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the hope that you give us, for the life that you give us. We thank you for the words of life that we read and are challenged by. And God, we pray that today by your word, you would transform our lives. Make us more like you. Teach us your ways. We love you and we thank you that you first loved us. Lord, if we just lift up today anyone who is hurting, Lord, in this place, those who might be going through some difficulties, whether it be physically, Lord, or just emotionally and uh, burdens that people are carrying, God, would you just help them to put off the burdens and to place them on you, to, to place our cares upon you. Lord, we do pray for Haiti with this earthquake that's taken place just yesterday. God, we, we pray that your hand of protection would be upon the people. Lord, a country that has been uh, so devastated time and time again. Lord, we just pray for the people there. We pray for, uh, Kelly, uh, for Kelly's husband, John Wildo, who's there. Um, Lord, we just pray for your hand to be upon him and his family and their home. Um, Lord, we pray for Pastor Leo and, and uh, all the various pastors that we know and love and are connected with there in Haiti. Father, would you protect them and would you empower them, Father? Would you use them in such a time as this? Uh, Lord, we continue to pray for baby Benjamin and his, uh, his leukemia treatments. God, would you just touch that little boy and heal him, Father? Uh, we thank you for uh, the, what you've done so far and that the treatments have gone so well, and we ask that you would continue to work in his life, God. We glorify you, Lord, and we just, we cast all our cares. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning once again. Great to be together today. 
I can't believe that the summer is running out. You guys are like, don't say it. <laughs> no. It upsets us, I know. Let's look in our Bibles there, John 12, as you guys got to read there, John 12, 37 through 50. That's our text for today. Uh, continuing our study through the Gospel of John. And we're going to finish chapter 12 today. And uh, last time we, we studied and we looked at the emphasis of the cross and how Jesus was so committed to the cross. If you need a Bible, by the way, raise your hand and you could follow along with us throughout the study. Uh, the ushers would be glad to get one till you keep it up so they can see. Uh, but Jesus, in the previous section that we studied two weeks ago, he was committed to the cross, and he was all about this preparation for the cross, and he talked so much about his coming death, and, and that this was what everything was about, the, the, the glorification of Jesus Christ, and, and we're going to continue to look at this glorification today, um, but looking at how all the work and the words, that he, the words that he said, the work that he did was all leading up to the cross, his death, and ultimately his resurrection. And today as we look at this, we see in verse 37, the beginning, but although he had done so many signs... Before them, they did not believe in him. And, and these signs that we've been studying for several weeks now, actually we've been studying throughout the Gospel of John, many of the signs that Jesus had done, the miracles that he had performed, the works that he had done, and remembering that John is all about the words and the works of Jesus Christ. And we're, we're reminded of that. I feel like every week now we have to remind ourselves that's what John is writing about, the words and the works of Jesus. It's not chronological. It is the words and works of Jesus so that lives would be changed. That's why he is revealing himself. And that's what John is doing in this writing, is revealing Jesus. This is why we tell people when they first get saved, they're like, where do I start reading the Bible? We say, read the Gospel of John. Why? Because it's just all about Jesus. It's getting to know Jesus. It is Jesus being revealed through the scripture right in front of us. It is Jesus himself claiming to be God. It is Jesus himself demonstrating that he is God time and time again. It is God testifying that Jesus is God. And so we see these things throughout the gospel. And we've seen these signs and wonders throughout the gospel. But the problem here is unbelief. Unfortunately, we've seen that throughout the gospel as well. Many people did not believe. Now, there's good news, right? Because we've seen many times also that people believe because of the words and works of Jesus. But this has been a problem before, and we see it again. And I would imagine that John is documenting this so that we would understand in these times today that unbelief is still the problem. Rejection of Jesus Christ is still the problem today as it was 2,000 years ago. And they saw Jesus. They saw the works of Jesus. They saw Lazarus raised from the dead. They, they, so many people were there and they were fed as part of the 5,000 who were fed. Many people saw the resurrected Christ, but still reject. Many of you have seen him work in your life, 
You've seen him transform lives. And maybe you still reject unbelief. It's the same problem today as it has been forever. So many signs pointed to the deity of Christ, to who Jesus is. And this time was really pretty clear, pretty obvious, right? It was big. Lazarus was raised from the dead, John 11. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. These are no small things. This this is no small claim for Jesus to say, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he goes on and, and we continue to look at and see how he proclaims himself to be the Messiah. And then we see even the triumphal entry. Jesus making several clear claims of being the Messiah, being the Christ. It's more clear now than ever in John 12. Now, for us today, it's more clear now than ever because everything that he said was going to happen has happened. And there's more that is happening. And it's going to happen just like he said it would. But however... Right, that's the big however, but, verse 37, but although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. This unbelief and rejection. After all that, people still would not believe. Why? Verse 38, it tells us that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. So there's two things we see. After all that why would people not believe? If you had seen a man raised from the dead and Jesus called him forth, Lazarus come forth and Lazarus comes forth. Jesus says, take off the grave clothes. He takes off the grave clothes. Now Lazarus is alive. And after they see that, after they see all the things that Jesus had done and heard all these words that Jesus said, they still would not believe. And maybe that's us still. Maybe that's some of you, after seeing all the things that he has done, after hearing the words, you still do not believe. Well, there's two reasons that we see here. Number one is that the prophecy might be fulfilled. That's why. Why do people not believe that the prophecy might be fulfilled? Isaiah Chapter 53, verse 1 says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That is the word that we see here. Verse 38, that's the prophecy that Isaiah writes hundreds of years earlier. Prophecy exhibits the divine. Remember that. Prophecy exhibits the divine. And I've said this many times before. Prophecy will point us to Jesus. It always points us back to Jesus. Because the Bible, remember, is all about Jesus. Because we are so desperate for redemption, we're so desperate for a redeemer who is Jesus. That's what makes the world go round. It's not money It's not fame, it's not power, it's not any of the things that the world tries to tell you makes the world go around. It's Jesus. It's our need for redemption. 
our need for Jesus, how desperate we are for Jesus. And so the first thing is that prophecy might be fulfilled. That's why it's happening. That's why people are still rejecting Jesus. If someone, and so Isaiah 53, and, and John points us back to that prophecy in Isaiah, and he's saying if someone believes, it's because of the arm of the Lord, because God is revealed, much like here in John 11 and 12. Jesus is being revealed throughout the whole gospel. Jesus is being revealed. And, and it's his work and through his words that people are believing. It's not through their power. It's not through their own understanding, but through the words and works of Jesus. Come to believe. And the second thing we see here is that it's the hardening of hearts. People do not believe because of the hardening of hearts, and that's what we continue on, verse 39. Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said again, this is the hardening of hearts, verse 40, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, this is a reference to And that says in Isaiah 6, 9 and 10, and he said, go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and the ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. That's Isaiah 6, verse 9 and 10. This is clearly speaking of the Jews, the religious leaders. This is a good description of those religious leaders. Remember in John's gospel when he says the Jews, he's talking about the religious leaders. The Pharisees, the chief priests, the scribes. That's who he's referring to. And so when we see this, we we hear this, and, and this word of the Jews, this is... Uh, If you just read this, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, after what we've studied so far in the Gospel of John, without even reading this in John 12, you'd be like, wow, that sounds like the religious leaders. It sounds like the Jews. It sounds like these people who keep on hearing but do not understand, who keep on seeing but do not perceive. And then the, the sad part is it says that make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and their eyes shut. These are all things that we've talked about before. Their heart is dull. They are rejecting Jesus. Their ears are heavy. They won't hear the words that are spoken and they reject the truth. Time and time again, we see them trying to silence the truth and their eyes shut. We talked all about that spiritual blindness The problem here is hard-heartedness. The prophecy is much like that of what happened with Pharaoh, and we talked about it a few weeks ago. The hardening happened because of continued rejection. Like Pharaoh, who kept hardening his heart, hardening his heart, as Moses would come, and there would be another plague, and Moses would come, let my people go. No, and he hard, Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then at this certain point, we see this shift happen. And what does it say? And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. 
Pharaoh had many opportunities. These religious leaders, these Jews, had many opportunities to believe, to receive, to listen, to see, to understand. But the hardness of heart, that's what Isaiah prophesied of. We see here that the Jews, and this prophecy is telling us clearly that the Jews would not and could not believe. They would not believe when they should have according to what they had seen and heard. You know, when things would seem obvious that they should believe, they would not believe. There's a rejection. And then because they would not believe, they could not believe. And this is not taking away of, of a free will, right? Let's not get that mixed up in here. It's not just saying there's a hardness of heart, that's it, right? Because right after this, we're gonna see Jesus give another opportunity. Even after the hardness of heart, Jesus gives further opportunity. But this prophecy is clear. Because they would not believe, then they could not believe. It's not taking away of the free will, but because they had purposefully and repeatedly rejected Jesus, God turned them over to their own hard-heartedness. That place, that point of no return. God turned them over to that hard-heartedness. It wasn't God who gave them hard-heartedness and said, nope, that's it. You're not part of the elect. But they had continued in hard-heartedness and then God gave them over to hard-heartedness. Just like with Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. So verse 41, John makes it very plain for us just in case we didn't understand. He says, these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. So we ask the question, why, right? First we see unbelief, right? Unbelief happens. It's terrible. It's sad. It breaks your heart. But why? Because prophecy, because we, we were told Isaiah said it's going to happen, and because of hard-heartedness. But now, how? How does Isaiah know this? How could Isaiah hundreds of years earlier write these words and, and prophesy of, this, of these Jewish people, of this hard-heartedness, of these religious leaders that can't get past themselves? How does Isaiah know it? How does a prophet know and understand? Isaiah chapter six. You can turn there with me. Isaiah chapter six. And I already read from it in verse 9 and 10, but I'm going to read a few more verses before that that give us a picture of what Isaiah saw so that he might understand this prophecy, so he might understand what's going to happen. Isaiah 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on, the throne, on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, and two he covered his, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth 
is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So how? Isaiah saw Jesus. He saw the triune Godhead right before himself. And he, he heard those words. He saw the glory of God in its fullness. And in those words, he, the proclamation of holy, 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 one time was not enough. Oftentimes in the Hebrew language, if something was repeated three times, it was like the idea of just keep repeating. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah had seen the Lord. That's how. He had seen God's glory. He had conversed with God and he was amazed by God. And God was revealed. Much like Jesus in John 11 and 12. And we've seen throughout the gospel of John. Jesus is revealed. And then in Isaiah 6, it tells us, even though there's this revelation of who God is, this revelation of Jesus Christ, people still will reject who he is. People still will reject the truth. And then John makes it very plain as he says, these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. John said, he spoke of Jesus. That's who Isaiah is talking about. And he claims with great confidence, Isaiah is actually talking about Jesus. It's made clear in, in, in John chapter 12, and in the translation of Isaiah 6, it speaks of the Trinity. We can be sure that Isaiah saw Jesus. And he prophesied of this happening, people rejecting Jesus, even though Jesus is being revealed, even though they are actually seeing the glory of God, they're still rejecting Jesus. They saw the Lord, Jesus. They saw his works, they heard his words, and they rejected as Isaiah prophesied. And this shows us even how God's plan is true. God's word is true. A prophecy that's happening right before our eyes. And we've seen it throughout this gospel so many times. Words that are spoken. Just a few weeks ago, we looked at Zechariah, right? Chapter 9. And, and we see these words that are spoken hundreds of years earlier that are now being prophesied. Or now being fulfilled through that prophecy. You can go all the way back to Genesis and see that there was this need for redemption. In Genesis chapter 3, God had a plan for redemption. Now we see the plan for redemption start to be fulfilled. The whole Bible points to Jesus. Prophecy exhibits divinity. The revelation of God's glory and God's plan will sadly cause people to reject him. 
But we continue verse 42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They were man-pleasers. Many believed but would not take the steps to receive, to be transformed by the grace and love of Jesus Christ. So this is telling, there were among the rulers, among the religious leaders, there were some. There were even many who believed. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Why? They were oppressed, number one, by the Pharisees. This is further indication of the heavy hand of ruling of the religious leaders. It's not the religious leader's job to rule. You guys, sometimes people, you guys come to me and you ask me questions. I'm like, I don't know, that's between you and Jesus. Right, The New Testament challenges pastors, shepherds, to not be lorded over. So I'm not going to try to rule you in any way. You be convicted by the Holy Spirit and move forward in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I, I trust the Holy Spirit more than I trust myself. So if I try to be the Holy Spirit to you, we're going to have big problems. You guys are all going to be running around like crazy if you start listening to me. But you see, that's not, the, that's not the role. And we talked about that a few weeks ago with the good shepherd, Jesus, and these false shepherds who would try to rule people. That's not their job. So they were oppressed. They were afraid. They were afraid of being cast out. Being cast out of their community of everything that they knew and understood. Their life was just wrapped up in this world of religious belief. It was wrapped up, and this was their community. This was the, their livelihood, and so they were afraid. If they proclaim the name of Jesus, if they had confessed that they believe and they receive and, and walk in that transformation and that receiving the love of Jesus Christ, then they're gonna be cast out of their community. It's a heartbreaking scenario but this is the problem. You see, because, and the reason there it says because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They were man pleasers. Listen, don't get caught up in being man pleasers. Don't do things because people are telling you to do it. Certainly in the world today, don't do things because the world is telling you. We're hearing all over the place things that are, this is what's right. This is what's loving. But let's come back to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Let's come back to Christ in me, the hope of glory. And Christ in me and the Holy Spirit can lead me to make the right decisions. Not being caught up and becoming man-pleasers, it's not worth it. As it says here, they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Each person needs to walk forward in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus just said in verse 26 of John 12, we studied a couple weeks ago, it says, if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And, if, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father will honor. They forgot what Jesus said. They were caught up in being man pleasers. But Jesus just said, if you serve me, follow me, him, my father will honor. Are we looking for honor here? Are we looking to satisfy the cries of this world? Or are we looking to please the one and only God of heaven and earth? Because in that, it says, my father will honor. We will receive honor in heaven Godly honor is greater than worldly honor, but we often forget that. It's easy to forget. We don't always realize that, and we want what's tangible. We want what's here, and now we want to be satisfied. And we want to satisfy the people and the things of this world rather than looking forward to eternity, as we've said so many times that's what it's all about. That's what we live for. And everything is spiritual. So make spirit-filled, spirit-led decisions. Do what honors God first so that him, you, the Father may honor you. But then, verse 44, Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. Jesus cries out. There's not many times we see this, but Jesus here, he cries out with, and, and in that, the, the translation, the text here, is, is indicating to us that he raised his voice, not in anger, but in passion. This was a passionate plea with these religious rulers. Because Jesus knew Isaiah's prophecy. Because Jesus knew what was happening here. People were rejecting him and their hearts were being hardened. It was getting late in the game. Time is running out. And they have hardened their hearts so many times. But, listen, that, this is what's so beautiful here in verse 44 and 45. Jesus cried out, this is his mercy. Even though the prophecy is being fulfilled from Isaiah chapter 53, from Isaiah chapter 6, even though people are rejecting Jesus, there is so much unbelief, and even though there's a hardening of hearts that is happening, does Jesus give up? Jesus say, okay, we're going to close the book on you guys. We're done. No, now he has this passionate plea. He cries out. He's pleading with them. He who believes in me believes not in me, but him who sent me, who sees me. This is addressing this, these things from Isaiah chapter 6. Seeing and believing. Opening, talking about opening the eyes and entering into this belief. 
Jesus, in his mercy, gave this plea and this opportunity because his mercy is more. Always giving opportunity. Jesus cried out because of the unbelief and rejection and great desperation. He knew of their desperation, but they didn't know it. They needed a savior. They needed salvation. He who believes in me believes in the one who sent me. He's talking about this perfect unity that he has with the Father, making it even more clear that he and the Father are one. We've seen that before, and we'll see it again. He and the Father are one. Jesus doubles down on many previously made statements of claiming to be the Messiah, claiming to be fully God. And, and what he's saying here is if, put, if you put your faith in Jesus, it's the same as if you put your faith in God. He's claiming that. Put your faith in me and, and you're putting your faith in God because I and the Father are one. Verse 46 we continue, he says that I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. He's calling them out for living in darkness once again as he's done before. And he's saying he who believes in me, believe in Jesus, you will not abide in darkness. It's not comfortable to abide in darkness. Darkness is pretty miserable. Sometimes you might feel like I like it dark, yeah, when you close your eyes and you're sleeping, but not if you're trying to get anything done, right? Not if you're trying to get work done, not if you're wandering around. There's bad things in darkness, guys, let me tell you. I've told you the story before about the cockroaches in my house in the Bahamas, all right? Bad things happen in darkness, so I sleep with the light on in the Bahamas, all right? That's just the way it is. I, I've got so many stories of critters and stuff in the dark. Whew. rats like this big. Third world countries have special things. And there's darkness. I'm reminded of another story with some roaches in the Bahamas. But you, if you shine a light, right? If your room is dark and you shine a flashlight, they scatter. You could keep following them. They're like, no! No, I once found a roach and I was like, I was just following it. And I kept like, I used my foot and I kept casting a shadow and I watched it follow the shadow of darkness of my foot. Roaches are just, they're, they're like such a perfect sign of wickedness, all right? If you ever see them, just know they're, it's straight from the devil. <laughs> but listen, Nothing good happens in the dark. If you're trying to accomplish something, you're trying to do something, you can't do it in the dark. You need light to see. And that's what Jesus is pointing out to them. He who sees me sees him who sent me. And I have come as a light. I have come so that you can see. And if you don't see Jesus, then you are abiding in darkness. And that's not just like the lights are off for a little bit and you could flick them back on when you need. You're abiding in darkness. You are completely living and dwelling in darkness. But walk with Jesus. Walk in the light. 
Move, to walk, right, is to move forward or the steady process of moving forward. The, that's the best way to do it is in the light. If it's, in, if it's dark, you're not gonna be able to have a steady process of moving forward. You're gonna stumble. You're gonna have a hard time. It won't be steady. You're gonna be worried about that next step in front of you. Wondering if there's a wall, if there's a cliff, if there's a Lego, if whatever. But abide in the light. Make it your dwelling place. And then he continues in verse 47. If anyone hears my words and does not believe. Again, he's pointing back to Isaiah 6. Now he's talking about hearing his words. If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There's a great hope here. Now remember, this is a final plea. Jesus knows and understands that there's a hardness of heart that is happening, but he's still in his mercy giving this opportunity, and he's saying, guys, your eyes can be open. You see, Isaiah's prophecy doesn't have to be for you right here and now. It's happening, yes, and it's still happening today, but there's still mercy. Your eyes can be open. See me. Your ears can be open." hear the words as he says if anyone hears my words and does not believe i do not judge him this is a great reminder for us so many people think that god is not merciful they think that god is the judge do you know who's the judge we are we cast judgment we place it upon ourselves through unbelief, through rejection. Just like that hard-heartedness. He doesn't place hard-heartedness on us. He gives us over to hard-heartedness if we continue to walk in hard-heartedness. But Jesus says, I do not judge. He didn't come for that. For he did not come to condemn the world, but to save and seek that which was lost. Jesus here is saying, look, I came to save. I didn't come to judge. And that's not that judgment or for unbelief will not take place because it will. There is judgment for unbelief. However, Jesus in his primary mission and role was savior, not judge. That's what he came to be. People bring judgment upon themselves, not Jesus. And you can remind people of that if they come to you and they say, well, God's just judging everybody and that's what it's all about. Jesus, is, he's, he's a harsh judge. No, it's not true. Jesus is all merciful and you could point them to John chapter 12 and say, look at this mercy. Even after they so many times repeatedly rejected him, he offers them mercy and he says there's still hope. And he says that he did not come to judge but to save it's not Jesus who judges. We put that judgment upon ourselves. Verse 49, for I have not spoken of my own, on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. The authority is from the Father, what he should say and do. And as, as Jesus has already demonstrated in his commitment to the cross, he was fully submitted 
to the Father. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago, even looking at Matthew 26 and his submission to the will of the Father as he prayed in the garden. Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And, and so we see that Jesus is submitted. He's saying, look, I'm not here on my own authority just saying things that, that whatever I feel like saying, but these are the words, specific words. When he says, say and speak, right? And you're like, why is he saying say and speak? It's kind of the same, isn't it? To say is the actual words spoken, and to speak is the way which the words were spoken. Such great attention to detail and care given to the words that Jesus said and the way that they were expressed. What he's saying, this is not just of my own authority and I just kind of shoot from the hip and I just say what I want to say and do what I want to do, but this is all according to the perfect plan of the Father. This is the work of salvation. And earlier in the Gospel of John, we talked about the work of of the Father father that Jesus was sent to fulfill. And then verse 50, he makes very clear, finally, what the work is. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Everlasting life. That's what this is all about That's what everything is all about. That's the mission of the Father, and the Son is in agreement, and the Son is committed to it, and so are we. We're still committed to it today, the work of salvation. Jesus has completed the work. Our job is to point people to that work. He didn't come to judge. He came to do the will of the Father. The will of the Father is everlasting life for every one of us. So what do we do? Believe and receive that gift of everlasting life through relationship with Jesus Christ. If you already have that relationship, then go tell somebody else about it. Because we are, Jesus said he came as a light, we are also light bearers. Are we shining that light? Are we pointing to people to the, to the scriptures? Are we pointing people to Jesus? Saying, look, Jesus didn't come to judge, but he's merciful. And he's all about your everlasting life. That you might go to heaven. That's the hope that he gives. Even though there's rejection, even though there's a hardness of heart, he still gives the opportunity and says, here's, your, here's mercy. And this is everlasting life that I'm all about. Let's be all about everlasting life. Whether you're in that place that you need to believe and receive to enter into relationship or whether you have that relationship already and you need to be all about that everlasting life and telling people how merciful and wonderful Jesus is that they too would believe and receive in that everlasting life. Let's pray. We thank you, Jesus, for the gift of everlasting life. We thank you for the work that you are committed to. To draw people to yourself. 
So we look to you today, God. We honor you today. We thank you for your mercy. Would you just pour out your spirit upon this place, God? Convicting hearts. And today, if you're in that place that I said before where you do not yet believe, receive the gift. Believe in Jesus Christ and receive the gift of eternal life. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for your sins. So entering into that relationship and that belief is to confess that I am a sinner. Each one of us has to make that confession and say, I'm a sinner. And I believe in Jesus. I believe that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead. So I invite you today. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you enter in? Would you say that, make that confession of faith to say, I believe and I receive. I understand that my great need is salvation and I desire a relationship with Jesus.